Let's do it. So what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a fresh new episode, episode 52 of Sports Psych MDs. If you like us, you hate us, can't stand us, let us know in the comments. They love us. Subscribe, rate, and review. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, you name it, we cover it. So, episode 52, we're going to get into a game within the game, part two. Earlier on, we had a game within the game, one of our earlier episodes. I highly recommend you check that one out. We're going to cover some resilience, a little meditation and mindfulness, but the big piece is adjustments. You know, life changes every day, every minute, every second, especially in the sports world. Players are traded, they're demoted, they're promoted. Players are forced to play in bubbles in front of no fans for months. Life comes at you quick. And if you don't adjust, there's someone else waiting to take your place. And they got the skill set to do it. So if you don't make those adjustments, and if you don't make them quick, you're out. See ya. So we're going to get a little into that. Also, we're recording at 9.15 Eastern time. It's game six of MLB World Series. If the Dodgers win, Clayton Kershaw's 19 postseason series played prior to this World Series would be the most of anyone before winning his first title. But if they lose, his 20 series, including this World Series, ever winning a title would tie Kenny Lofton for the most. So there's a lot at stake here. Ooh, Kenny Lofton never won? Kenny Lofton never won. He was a Yankee for, for a while. Yeah, yeah. he so, played for the Yankees, the Braves, the Indians. He bounced Indians, around with some good yeah. teams. He was one of my flavors. Cubbies even. That's my yeah. guy. Did you say he was one of your flavors? Favorites. <laughs> Not to be confused with flavors. I did like his flavor of play, though. I like the speed. <laughs> The tenacity on the base paths. Definitely not vanilla. Do you feel me? Do you feel me? Do you feel me? Speaking of players who play for a while, and speaking of adjustments, Edwin Jackson, who retired from baseball last season, played for 14 teams, which is the most in MLB history. Talk about adjustments. There's something to say about his career longevity, too. You know, you're bouncing around. That's a lot of adjustments. And think about, uh, that makes me think about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick adjusting to life without each other. Working out for one of them. Like any good divorce, uh, you know, there's got to be a a winner and a loser. (laughs) And I think we all know who won. I mean, is that right, T? No, I don't think we do because, what, we're six games into the season, seven games? Anything can happen. Uh, right now, there on. seems like a clear winner. Nah, I'm not buying it. You know what? It. But hold on. I, I Listen, you don't have to buy it. That's fine. Time will tell. But I do think it's important to, to recognize that, you know, Belichick has a great system. You know, we all know that. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's been a winning coach for almost 20 years now. And that's, uh, that's amazing. You know, give, give him credit. However, um, you, you can never replace greatness on the court, on the field. You know, you, you just can't ac- actually replace that. That's not something that you can just, you know, pick up some, some guy named, named Stidham and think that he's going to replace a guy named Brady, just plug and play. When you're talking about a, a, a dude that's probably the greatest player of the game of football, at least on the offensive side of the ball of all time. That's not something you can just replace. Um, I think that, uh, that systems are, are important. I think they laid the foundation for having a great team, you know, the long-standing tradition of winning. But uh, the, the degree to which the Patriots won, right, the, uh, the, the just the, what, how many Super Bowls? Six Super Bowls in 15 years? Something, something crazy like that. I mean, that's, that's a mark of individual greatness, individual talent that is transforming a, uh, a great program and a great system into something special. Absolutely. Before we get into that, 
discussion, I want to lay the foundation, speaking of which, um, a little bit better for this podcast, because I wanted to talk a lot about adjustments, kind of forcing the issue here. But I want to talk about adjustment from injury. We talked about it before in a previous podcast, but there's several football players right now that are bouncing back from pretty serious, significant injuries that I wanted to talk about. Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, Tua Tagovailoa, and um, not to mention Dak Prescott, who just had a horrible injury. So I wanted to talk a lot about adjustment from injury, which we talked about before. Odell Beckham. Oh, yeah. Odell Beckham. Yeah, it happens all the time. So I just want to highlight now that we have Mm. three pretty big names that are looking like they've bounced back from pretty serious injuries. And then also, like Ben mentioned, we got to go back to the bubble. We got to address a little bit. Let's see who who adjusted best to these bubble conditions, and it's no wonder that it was LeBron James. So we'll talk about him as well. And then finally, I guess what we're already talking about right now is this adjustment to to not only a new environment, but new teammates, new coaching staff, new system, um, or in Bill Belichick's case, adjusting to not having the best player of all time. <laughs> and it's turned turning out so far not as easy as he anticipated. I think he does have a great system that's been proven, but that system can only take you so far. Obviously it was Tom Brady that got him over the hump. I think we're only what, six, seven games into the season. The Patriots more than probably most teams lost a significant amount of individuals on their team other than Tom Brady. Um, They had, I think like three or four starters from the defensive side of the ball opt out to start the year from COVID. So they had Patrick Chung starting safety, Donta Hightower starting middle linebacker. They also had Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy signed with other teams. This was the number one rated defense in the league last year. That's one of the reasons they, they still made it to the playoffs despite their offense trending downward. So they're all gone. That defense isn't quite there again. And obviously the offense isn't there, um, but that had been trending down. I, I see it. Obviously, they lose Tom Brady. They they lose the goat, but they're also their front office has been making a lot of mistakes. Didn't get Tom Brady a whole lot of help, especially after Gronk left. He pretty much only had Edelman. And look at the team he's on now. Look at the receivers. Look at the weapons that Brady has. It's if you were to tell me, like he'd have Antonio Brown to throw to, in addition to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. If Antonio Brown comes back and plays how he played two three years ago, then those are, I mean, Godwin's been hurt this year, but those are three of the top ten receivers in the in the NFL. He's got a resurgent Gronk. Two of those guys, Godwin and Evans, I mean, they were on that roster last year. They put up big numbers. They didn't put up big wins. They didn't put up big wins. You know what I mean? And, and that's that, – that's, Third-ranked offense, though, last year. Jameis Winston had those guys, right? And they were still one of the, the, the worst performing teams in the league last year. It did not translate into victories. And, and to me, you know, the fact that you bring a new guy in there, 41 years old, whatever he is, doesn't matter. Uh, he's, a, he's great. He's, he's a great player. And he's an all-time great. And he was able to come in and do what a much younger, more athletic Jameis Winston couldn't even dream of, which is make this team a potential Super Bowl contender. That's what greatness yeah. can do. And I think he's done that. Absolutely. And I think we're going to talk about this, but the, the recipe to like being able to be successful in these adjustments has a lot to do. I guess there's, there's several different factors. And we've talked about this before, but I think some of the, the primary factors that I want to talk about is being confident yes. in yourself and in your abilities, having a strong sense of self and self-efficacy. That's going to take you a long way. And that I see, that's obviously what Tom Brady has. That's why he's been able to be so successful. That's why he's been able to bounce back from uh, an ACL surgery earlier in his career um, and win all those Super Bowls um, and come back from big deficits in Super Bowls because he's confident in who he is and he's, he's effective in his approach and he knows what works for him. So that's going to take him a long way. The other thing that's important when adjusting is having a strong support system. And a lot of times that is consistency. So for him, that consistency is completely gone. So he has to rely on himself. And it just so happens that that's helping. He does have what appears to be a really strong supporting cast. Like I mentioned before, the Bucks offense was the number three offense in, in, in the NFL last year. Granted, that was with Jameis Winston, who oftentimes would get the team behind 
to start the game. So they would have to put up a lot of points and, and a lot of yards just to be in ball games. Um, but he has all those weapons. He has all those running backs. They drafted a, uh, an offensive lineman at the beginning of the draft. They actually have a pretty strong defense as well. So it's a, in a, in a, in a, a QB focused and offensive minded coach. So he he's in a strong, a good, what appears to be a, a supportive system, although they, they do make a lot of mistakes, but the fact that he no longer has that consistency being with the Patriots means he has to rely more so on his own self-efficacy and his own confidence, which appears to be working at this time. Sorry. And a couple other things. Where, where's that whiteboard yeah. that you had behind you? You used to have a whiteboard oh, with the core values. Let me get that. Real quick. You know, that thing was money because honestly, we can go right back. We can go right back to the core values. Um, and uh, we can teach you from there. Because here's the thing, when you talk about support system, I totally agree with that. <laughs> you talk about consistency, I also completely co-sign on that. But I look at those words and what I see resonating is- Read them off, read them off, sorry. Reliability and integrity. I think a support system and I think of not just the, the guys that are around you or ladies that are around you, but I think of your connection with those people and your ability to get the most out of those, those people based on your, your gratitude, you know, based on your recognition of those people and you know, the, the great things they're doing for you. And in turn, their recognition of you and the great things you're doing for them and that synergy, you know, that, that teamwork, that team chemistry that, that builds, you know, and, and him being a great leader, uh, a person that communicates, right? He really expresses himself. Uh, you, you listen to his post-game interviews, you know, he's talking about his teammates, you know, and the, and the great things they did for him on the field in order to in, enable the victory, right? They, they, they helped him. It wasn't just about Tom Brady. It was about the offensive line, you know, and how well they blocked for him. It was about the receivers and the way they ran their routes. You know, it was about the defense and how they set the tone and gave him a chance. I mean, that's what he's going to be talking about. And when you communicate these values and you communicate, uh, you know, the, you know the, the things that your guys are doing for you and in the game, you know, you're, you're constantly like letting them know, hey, Good job. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having my back. Like that, that, that it's really powerful, and I, I think it's it's such a huge ingredient for winning. Yeah, and I wanted to to piggyback on that with regards to Tom Brady. We talked about consistency. Ultimately, is extremely important in adjusting. And I don't know if there's anyone more regimented, anyone more regimented than Tom Brady in NFL football with regards to what he puts his body through, with regards to his diet his training, his off-season programs, the money he pours into that. We all know about the TB12 method. He's only allowed to eat like, what, three almonds a day and isn't allowed to have strawberries or avocado. <laughs> uh, but you can see the parallels with regards to Tom Brady. So he's, he's setting himself up for success now in a completely different system. Um, and you can see the parallels with him and LeBron James, who – we, like we mentioned on the show before, pours in six figures, if not more, maybe millions of dollars into his body each year. And both of them, Tom Brady's in his 40s. I don't think LeBron's quite in his 40s yet. But they are playing at peak levels, and they're the oldest people in their respective leagues. And that's because they have found the formula that works for themselves with regards to and they became consistent with that with regards to their diet, with regards to caring for their physical health, which with regards to caring for their mental health and finding situations and places where they could thrive, but all the while remaining consistent and very regimented in what they do off the field, what they do with regards to their preparation. And a lot of that I imagine has to do with being grateful to play a child's game for a living. And can, that continues to pour fuel on the fire of the motivation to play these games. And I imagine they have smarter goals. I imagine they're very detail-oriented when it comes to what they want to achieve each year. We've seen LeBron transform his body when he got cramps in the Spurs series. He lost some weight, went running a lot. So he wouldn't get cramps anymore. And lo and behold, he hasn't. 
And we've seen Tom Brady transform himself physically so he can continue to zip that ball. Like these guys are just, just look at those two. I mean, they're the goats for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not because they have all the physical tools. LeBron has all the physical tools. Brady does too. He can't necessarily run around like, like Lamar Jackson, but more importantly, they know what to do. They know how to prepare themselves in the off season. And that's led to them being able to be successful in any environment because of that strong mm-hmm. sense of knowing what they need to do to be successful. Well, you know, uh, the, the greatest sports performer of all time in any sport, Michael Jordan, he, he told us what the formula was in the last dance. You know, he said, you know, the, in the early stages of my career, I recognized that I was the most physically gifted athlete and that, you know, I could will my team to victory uh, just by being the most physically dominant player. But in the playoffs, you know, when it was grinded out, there was a lot of, you know, experienced veterans, teams that had been together for a long time, like the Celtics, the Lakers, the Pistons, you know, these guys, like, he really struggled. And it wasn't until he paired the, the physical greatness with the, the mental fitness, right, the mental toughness, that he became a legend, that he became a guy that just completely took over the league. And as we all know, won three championships, three peaks, really back-to-back, you know, after his two-year hiatus in retirement. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's really got to be about the mental fitness. And that's what we try to highlight, um, you know, throughout this podcast, throughout, um, you know, our educational curriculum, which you can find on our website. And we talked a lot about this during our coping with COVID session last week um, with, you know, members of just about every major university in the country. Like we, we talked about how important it is to not just be concerned, even with you know, things like COVID-19, how we're doing physically, you know, in terms of like the viral infection, but how we're able to cope mentally and emotionally. And we talk about adjustment disorder, right? This is what this podcast is all about and adjusting to, you know, anything in life is really all about the way in which we're able to, to take on that challenge mentally and really have a, an emotional resilience that enables us to get through it and come out of it better than ever. You know, and that's, that's what mental fitness can do. And the, uh, the reason why we love to talk about Tom Brady and LeBron James is because these are guys that have been doing it for an entire career, and that's why they've been so successful. Yeah. I imagine maybe both of them could have got maybe one or two titles just based off their, their physical skills, but without the mental skills and the mental toughness, the mental fitness that they have, they wouldn't be considered all-time greats. No one's going to be considered an all-time great unless they have the full package, unless they can combine the physical and the mental together. Yeah, you, you hear the saying a lot, you know, that sports is 90% mental and 10% physical. And Armin, you brought up, um, you brought up Jordan and how dominant he was. And you bring up Jordan, you think of uh, Mr. Phil Jackson, godfather, God, you know, like he – just revolutionized coaching, bring in mindfulness and meditation. He actually learned from sports psychologist George Mumford. And he, based on his sessions with George Mumford, them two would lead mindfulness sessions for both the Kobe-led Lakers and the Jordan-led Bulls. Arguably, you can let us know what you think, arguably the two most dominant dynasties in sports. And in an interview a few years ago, um, Mumford explained that his approach was really all about getting in the zone, which is what we talked, which what you guys talked about pre Benjamin era, what you guys talked about in the previous game within the game episode, you guys discussed not only the importance of getting in the zone, but capturing and staying in that zone. So like, what do you guys, you know, like you, you get it, you get in that zone. How can someone stay in that zone and like keep the ball rolling and you get that momentum? Mm-hmm. Momentum. I love that term. I, I, right. Ben, we're, we're glad to have you on our team now. This is, we're, we're definitely upgraded with you at, at running the point. 
So it's a new era. Yeah. This momentum is huge, specifically when we talk about adjustment and adjustment from like injury or being in a different environment, starting over with a new franchise. You're kind of, there goes that momentum you had. Like when, when LeBron left Miami and went back to Cleveland, there goes that momentum. When he leaves Cleveland, goes to LA, there goes that momentum. And same thing with Brady, same thing with like uh, Ben Roethlisberger who had the Steelers offense looking good until he, he went down early last year with an elbow injury. There goes all that momentum you had. And that's when, when the momentum goes, that's when you start to question things. And ultimately, when Armin and I did the Game Within a Game podcast, we talk a lot about being able to harness that momentum, control that momentum. Because oftentimes you don't necessarily, you can't always control when you begin to gain momentum or necessarily the momentum starts to go the other way. Like we talked about runs in basketball games where inevitably some one team's going to make a big, maybe 12 to 2 run and so on and so forth. We saw that in the bubble all the time what we talked about is that's going to happen, but your ability to identify when that happens and then to regain control of the momentum is ultimately the key. And that requires kind of several different factors when it comes to that. And Armin, I don't know if you want to jump in here and talk a little bit more about that. Absolutely, man. So when I think of momentum, I, uh, I think of sustained reliability. Right. So it starts with developing a reliable strategy. And you used the term earlier, consistency. You know, consistency is really the, the key to getting momentum going. So you have to, to develop uh, a, a particular skill, particular strategy um, every day. You know, every day you have to work on this. And it has to be in a way that is goal-directed and is, is ultimately going to, to get you closer to uh, you know, some, form, some sort of milestone. But it's got to be every day. It's got to be reliable. And if you look back to your, uh, your, your basic physics course and you think about what, what momentum means in the classroom, one of the depictions of momentum that I remember was this idea of impulse over time, right? So I'm gonna get a little geeky for a second. And when you have those, those uh, impulse over time curves, I remember momentum was the area, of the area under the curve, right? And what I see that is an impulse you could look at as like an opportunity, right? It's, you know, essentially the opportunity we're given every single day when we wake up in the morning, and we have uh, a choice to make. It's like, are we going to get after it? You know, are we going to put the work into achieving that goal or not? And ideally, you know, if we're doing it the right way with mental fitness, we've written it down and we've committed to doing something already. We've mapped out a plan so we know over the course of the week what we got to do, right? The reps we got to take, the miles we have to run, the you know, uh, protein shakes we have to consume, whatever it is, we have this already planned out, but at some point, the challenge is you know, to be or not to be. Are we gonna get this done or not? And if we constantly challenge ourselves every single day, and as time passes, we challenge ourselves a little bit more, right, to get a little bit better, eventually the confidence will build, right? Because as we go along our process and we are achieving what we set out to do, we are benefiting from these accomplishments, right? We, we, if we, we decide, okay, we wanna cut down our mile time from five minutes to four minutes and 30 seconds, you know, with a mental fitness strategy over time, as the weeks go on, we're going to see our time slowly but surely start to go down, and that's going to give us confidence to keep going. But if we don't have consistency, and it's like some days, you know, we, we do it, you know, some days we get out there, some days we don't, uh, you know, some days we give max effort, some days we don't, then we're never going to really, really be able to get to that point where we feel confident because we're not going to see the gains that we really ultimately want to have. 
Mm. And, um, you know, so these are the ingredients. Yeah, I think confidence is huge. I think that's one of the reasons why momentum is so powerful is because it feeds into your confidence. And then the confidence gives you better performance because you're more confident. Everyone would admit, any athlete, any individual, Ben, me, Armin, when we're confident, we're going to perform better in, in anything and in everything, whether that be a presentation at, at school or at work or when you're interacting with a client or patient. When you're confident, you're peaking. You're at peak performance when you're, when you're performing with confidence. And that is why momentum is powerful because that's when you feel most confident. So the, the issue, I think, becomes is when, when um, there's those shifts in momentum, how do you regain that? And I think ultimately you have to go back to that confidence like Armin mentioned and how do, how do you gain that confidence without starting from scratch with no momentum? It's through preparation like Armin mentions. The more you prepare, the more confident you'll become and the more powerful you'll become when you have that momentum and the more uh, the less you'll be affected by negative momentum swings. Um, right. And then the reason why moment, confidence is so important is because you feel like you're in control. You're in the moment you're mindful when you're confident you can be more in the moment you're not having this these extraneous worries or thoughts these doubts that creep into your head when you're confident when you're confident you may have those thoughts but they're not going to turn into doubts they're not going to turn to worries they're just thoughts because you're confident and you're strong and so you're control in control of the moment you're mindful of the moment and when you're mindful we've talked about this ad nauseum you're going to perform at your best you know tori i bet a lot of guys out there wonder how on earth tom brady pulls off these tremendous epic fourth quarter comebacks right time and time again even the biggest stage the biggest moment he seems to be able to do this and you know i there's there's no way that he hasn't mastered certain mental fitness techniques in order to continue to, to be that guy. One mental fitness technique in particular that comes to mind when you talk about mindfulness is problem-focused coping strategies, right? See, one thing about Tom, man, he, is, he does not let the moment get to him. So he's not a person who is so focused on the emotions that come with pressure, right? And certainly, given the fact that you, you're, 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 you're down and potentially, you know, in jeopardy of losing the game and you only have a very limited amount of time, maybe three or four minutes left in the game to get it done, it's easy to look at that situation and be like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. This is a lot of pressure. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm nervous. I mean, what if I, what if I mess up? What if I make a mistake? I mean, there's so many different ways to, to really fall apart in a situation like that. And when you have a problem-focused strategy, you're, you're able to, to really completely ignore how you feel in the moment because you're entirely focused, you're mindful, you're, your entire sort of, your sight, your line of sight is only on the problem at hand, which in this case is scoring a fucking touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it's all about. I mean, if you really think about it, three, four minutes left on the clock, your team's down by six points. Like there's really only one thing that's important in that moment. You know, that's all, that's all that matters is your preparation and what that can do to get your team down the field and into the end zone. Now, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work, a lot of practice to get to that point, but, um, Anyone can, can have that if they're willing to put forth the effort to, you know, to, to rely on problem-focused coping in order to, uh, to resolve problems that they have, particularly in the sports world and on the field, on the court. So, yeah, man. It's funny you bring up uh, Tom Brady because he actually, in the TV12 documentary, he, they, they, they found that he actually brought in a, a team of neuroscientists to help him out with brain exercises. And Brady's, Brady's uh, talked about the brain exercises and what he says like the best things about them is it helps, it helps him wake up early, sharp and focused without an alarm. And it helps him stay focused, calm, cool and collected in like the heat of the moment 
and right after a game, win or loss, he just stays so cool, calm, and collected, and he attributes all that to, to brain exercises. And that's really something, you know, I mean, not everyone can, uh, can afford a team of neuroscientists to come over, but, you know, it's, it's practical. You know, brain, brain and mental exercises are extremely practical. I think, I mean, we talked, we had a few examples, great examples last week with coping with COVID in college. But um, I, I think the best, the best um, I don't know if this is a mental exercise, but the best trick I've learned since joining you guys, joining sports like MDs, is uh, not preparation, but visualization. And really just like walking yourself before an event, before a moment, and just saying, okay, what's going to happen? How is it going to happen? And then like you find, like when you walk yourself through it, you find, okay, it's not as bad as I initially thought it was. And then you're so damn prepared when you walk in that building. And I, it's, it's really great. Another thing I wanted to bring up, and this is going to kind of tie everything back together, is that um, the, the late Kobe Bryant um, would do a bunch of meditation and mindful practices in the morning and Armin, you were talking about the importance of like, you got to be on top of your shit in the morning when you first wake up. And he would like, he would liken his meditate, his morning meditation practices to an anchor. He said that um, if he didn't do those mindfulness or medita uh, meditation practices in the morning, he would feel so lost and like loose. And I think I, everyone can relate, relate to that. You know how you just have your off days where you just don't feel like you have everything together. You don't feel like you have that structured. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so, so important. Like the physical aspect, we all know. You got you to gotta, like, you got to practice. But also the mindfulness and mental exercises is, is I, think, I think it's what separates the greats from, you know, the goods. Yeah, I was just doing a quick look at these, these brain exercises that Brady was doing. It just, it just seems like a, um, a version of like a mindfulness game where you're um, on his iPad. He's given things and he's given like very detailed instructions all right, there's like six balls moving, but you need to click on the orange balls that are moving in this direction. So it's essentially a game where he needs to focus all his attention in, into the moment in order to, to complete the task. So it's essentially a mindfulness task. So these things consistent across the board about any successful athlete, LeBron James and Tom Brady included, consistent, strong support from family, friends. These guys put a lot of money into their bodies, into their minds. They get sleep every, they focus, look up anything about Tom Brady and LeBron James, and they'll talk about the importance of sleep, getting a good night's rest. These are all the basic things you can do. And then it comes down to just continually, continuing to practice your craft over and over and over and over and over and over again. Got to be obsessed. Yeah, you got to really want it. 100%. That's the difference. I mean, everybody wants things, uh, and everybody's willing to do, you know, uh, a thing or two to get it, but are you willing to give up everything? You know, are you really, you know, willing to give up your, your social life, you know, your, your, your parties, your, um, your life, you know, fried, fried chicken, and ice cream, you know, are you willing to give up the pleasures, uh, to be the best, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's what, that's one of the, for us as an organization, you know, one of the keys that, you know, we, we like to talk about sort of the special sauce behind mental fitness is sacrifice, you know, um, what you're willing to, to give up in order to be great, uh, in order to have these things, it doesn't come easy, you know, and, and I, I don't, I don't ever want to, to give any of our listeners the impression that, that these things are just, you know, given to you just you know from a little bit of hard work i mean it it's it takes to be great at a professional level uh to be a lebron james to be a tom brady it takes everything yeah. and uh you know mental fitness is is a is a is an approach is a way to develop greatness but it's the more you put into it it's you know you get out. define what you get out of yeah. it. I will say that I think you I think through the physical aspect of sports you develop you can develop a lot of resilience. You know, like you you just like you feel it, you see yourself firsthand, like going through like the waves and going through the ups and downs and whatnot. And that's and you develop a lot of resilience. And I what I the thing about mental fitness I don't think there's enough awareness of mental mental health and mental fitness. I think one of the most overlooked things is how prevalent 
mental fitness is in everyday life. Like throughout our days, we have the opportunity to do some some form of mental exercise. You know, you have like gratitude lists, the gratitude exercises, mindfulness exercises, things you can just do during the day. And the smallest things make the biggest difference. And as Armin said, like it's just those tiny little you got you gotta get the competitive edge. And like if you're if you're an athlete, that's great. But if not if not even an athlete, if you're a student, if you're if you're an employee somewhere, if you're just someone and you're in an industry and you wanted to get the competitive edge, you got to squeeze as much juice out of that fruit as possible. And that you got to do everything. And that includes, you know, the mental aspect. You got to be on top of your game physically and mentally. Yeah. I think Ben, I want to, you said something about sports. It's so easy to, to, to develop resilience and confidence because it's a physical game. And I think you're spot on with that because you get immediate feedback in your performance when you're practicing your craft when you're when you're playing a football game it's immediate everything single thing you do your coach is going to be in your ass your teammates going to be in your ass or someone's going to run you over um so you get that immediate feedback on how well you're doing in your craft and that could be that can expose you um or give you an opportunity to see your weaknesses so you can strengthen them and that can give you confidence when you score a touchdown that's confidence building when you when you complete your block that's confidence building we don't get that in the line of psychiatry or normal work no one's giving us constant feedback with each and every patient encounter everything we say um certainly there's like quarterly meetings and quarterly reviews and things of that line but in sports because of the physical aspect you get that immediate feedback constantly that objective feedback oftentimes which is great so for those of us in, in different lines of work we have to come up with a way to to give ourselves that that feedback and to, or to find people we trust to give us that type of feedback in order to to figure out what our weaknesses are so we can strengthen them and to also give us validation for a good a job well done and that gives us confidence as well and if you don't have an individual or someone to do that for you try to figure out a way to, for you to do it on your own um, practice gratitude at night before bed um, and try to pick out something that you did that day that you thought was, was good and was positive. And that will be reinforcing to your confidence level. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to, to transition over to talking about yeah, no, I, Ben Roethlisberger, Dak yeah. Prescott and these guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, this is uh this is sort of the, the, the game within the game, uh, if, you, if you will, for these guys in, in terms of what it takes to get back to the top. Right when you've gone down on injury, uh, there's so many things you lose. <laughs> I mean, uh, aside from the pain and anguish associated with uh, you know being injured and the inflammatory process uh, that your body has to go through, and then the surgery and you know the the post surgery which sucks, you know, in uh, the rehab. I mean, it's just a lot of physical toll on your body. So on the one hand, there's that, but there's also, you're going to ultimately be deconditioned, right? And for those that don't know what deconditioned means, it's, okay, so you went from being a workout warrior every day to being in peak physical condition to literally just having to sit around for most of the day in recovery, you're going to lose muscle mass. You're going to lose that quickness. You're going to lose that, you know, that sharpness that you may have had you know, as it relates to your, you know, ability to, for example, throw the ball on time and on target, like those things are, are obviously going to be lost because you're not having that consistent preparation mm -hmm. anymore. So there's just so many things that you have to take a step back with when you have an injury like this. And so when you finally are at a point where you can move around and put weight on that knee or put you know, some, some, you know, stress on that shoulder or whatever it is, like you're going to be pretty far behind and, and you're going to have a mountain to climb. So what do you do? What's your strategy? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a uh, strategy. Um, this, this is an tutorial let you go. Um, very, very small, a subtle, yet very impactful change. You asked, Armin, you asked what's the strategy? Dak Prescott got surgery a few weeks ago. He's been getting tested for the coronavirus every day since the surgery. Why? Because he gets tested negative and he's in the clubhouse. He's in the locker room. He's on the practice field and he's with his teammates and he's surrounding himself. He's not letting himself mentally. He's, he's physically recovering, but he's mentally staying as up to date as possible. And I, I really think like those subtle things make a huge difference. 
Absolutely. And that kind of ties in with what I was going to say. You lose your physical capabilities, like Armin said, and I was just talking about it earlier, how those physical capabilities, your ability to perform physically is what oftentimes gave you the confidence in the first place. So now without those physical capabilities, where does that confidence come from in your ability to kind of be who you are? A lot of these athletes identify as an athlete. So what happens when you lose those physical abilities, which were the foundation for the confidence in you as a person. So Ben, you mentioned Dak, even though he doesn't have these physical capabilities anymore, he still can be an impactful team member and he can still stay sharp with his mental game when it comes to, to um, being a part of the Dallas Cowboys, um, which is huge ultimately because that will allow him to remain confident. And that's another piece of the foundation for his confidence. So this mental game, a part of a part of adjusting and coming back from an injury, is is tied in directly to the physical recovery because we mentioned before there there's certain things like ACL depression syndrome where individuals like physiological changes within our body, the inflammatory processes like Armin mentioned, which will internally cause us to feel sometimes maybe depressed or throw us off mentally. So there's those internal like direct links to our mental health from being physically disabled but there's also that external or that 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 other sense of a loss of of sense of self a loss of confidence because you lost your physical belt abilities you have to adjust to having a new body you have to take it slow you have to go one step at a time i remember when jj watt had his big injury i forget what it was three or four years ago his doctor said no working out for like months. So what did he do? He just got up and walked every day. He walked like four or five miles every day because that's the only thing he can do. But he, he didn't push his body and push go too soon to do something. He followed his his team's orders. So there's so many different factors when it comes to this. But so many different factors. I think it just speaks to when we're talking about identity, trying to not you're don't identify as an athlete. You play a sport, but you're not you're an athlete, but you're to take LeBron's campaign term. You're more than an athlete. You, Armin and I are more than psychiatrists. We yeah. practice medicine. We're not doctors. We're so much more than that. Each of us is a combination of several different things. We aren't our job. We are so much more than that. We are good sons, daughters, husbands, fathers, friends. Maybe we're good cooks. Maybe we're, we're good at giving high fives. Who knows? We're, we're just a culmination of different things. So I think it's important as an individual to, to not necessarily identify yourself as one thing, try to create balance. And in creating balance, you want to figure out what you value in life and really go towards those things in order to define who you are. So for example, I'm an individual who cares about my relationships. So I'm going to tend to those every day and I'm going to value being a good friend, a good brother, a good son. Um, but I'm also going to value being good at my job. It, 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 don't pigeon your hole yourself into one thing. So w- it, when that one thing goes away, if you have a dev- devastating elbow injury, like big Ben, and you can't throw for nine months, you're going to be okay because you have for, in his instance, he has a strong faith in God. He has a strong uh, relationship with his wife. He has a strong family and he's in one of the best organizations in sports. So there's so many different ingredients to this recipe. Absolutely. And all the factors you mentioned, see, this is, uh, this is where mental fitness starts to get really interesting, right? Because we talk about mental fitness, we're really talking about are those kind of intangibles, those other factors to success beyond the physical, right? So we're talking about the emotional, we're talking about intellectual, we're talking about social, right? And we're talking about the, the core integrity of who we are as people, um, our values, our principles, and the synergy of all of these things coming together to essentially help us through to either achieve peak physical performance or to help us get back to peak physical performance when we've, we've lost or we've taken a step back. And we, you know, so I think of mental fitness, I think of, for instance, you mentioned um, you know Ben Roethlisberger, and or 
JJ Watt and uh, his is not being able to work out for you know, four to six months according to doctor's orders. Well, guess what? With metal fitness, the great thing is you don't even have to have a physical body in order to get it done, right? It can be all an intellectual exercise. And during a visualization process or strategy, you can be thinking through all the different plays, right? You could be literally creating and mapping out what you're going to do on the field once you get back to peak physical fitness and performance, mapping out in your mind, creating a literally visual mental map of all the different things you need to do in detailed fashion, play to play, right? In such a way that when you get back out there, your brain is literally wired for success, right? You study the playbook, but you've also created a, like a, almost like a, like a, a mental sort of like Madden 2021 type of scenario, like literally a, uh, um, help me out. What's the term I'm looking for? Simulation, literally a mental simulation in your head about what you have to do and how you're going to react and, you know, when you're going to throw the ball and how you're going to throw the ball and, you know, situation to situation. And what studies have shown is that visualization actually uh, attunes your thinking, your, your, your body to perform the way you want to perform after you've done a, a, you know, a certain amount of consistent work of visualization, visualizing yourself doing something, it attunes your mind to what you have to do when the time comes for, for the performance. And you could be even be better. By the time your body gets back to where it was before, you could be even better because you've focused on something you, you may have neglected before. And I want to talk a little bit about Alex Smith. He had that gruesome, the, the quarterback for the Washington football team, he had the gruesome compound fracture they call it, it was a spiral fracture meaning it get started at the ankle joint and spiraled all the way up through the tibia and, and, and the knee and that has happened in november of 2018 and he underwent 17 different surgeries he ended up having an infection with what's called necrotizing fasciitis which the skin was literally dying he had to get a muscle transfer from one part of his body to the leg in order for it to become kind of viable doctors at one point feared for his life because of these infections. He went into septic shock at one point. So he had 17 surgeries and four hospital stays over nine months. And he mentions in his recovery because he actually just came back and played week five against the Rams, got sacked a lot. And it was very scary to watch, but he was out there on the football field, spinning it. And he said the key to his recovery, obviously he did a lot of visualization, all these things we talked about, but the key to his recovery he said is waking up, and trying to control the one thing you control. And for him, it was waking up each and every day with a positive attitude, because that was the one thing he could control. So that positive attitude is gonna set the stage for success regardless of what his task was that day. So maybe his task for a certain day was just to, to handle a meal. But if he has a positive attitude, he's gonna be able to handle that fine. And then he's gonna move on to the next step and the next step after that. He ended up going to the center for the Intrepid, which is a rehab facility for wounded soldiers. So he got to, to work with them and that helped him a lot. And, and they on there, and I looked them up a little bit and their thing is obviously for the physical, but they talk about the psychological and emotional fun functioning because they're dealing with wounded soldiers. So talk about um, kind of all encompassing program there. So it's great to see Alex Smith come back and to, he's used another testament to, to, to your mental fitness and how that can be integral part of your recovery and your adjustment from injuries. We're seeing ben, Big Ben out here leading the 6-0, and oh, the only undefeated team in the NFL after he had a worse injury than it was even worse than what normally, normally a Tommy John surgery is one tendon or one muscle needs repaired. He had three or four flexor muscles that kind of fall right off the bone. So he needed that to be repaired. Couldn't throw the football for several months. He's out there spinning it looking great. They have the six, six highest scoring offense in the hey. league right now. Hey, and Ben's an old guy, you know, nope. he's, exactly. he's been around for, for a while in the league. You know, he's not, 
He's not a, a spring chicken by any standards. He's not necessarily that guy that's been taking care of his body his whole year either, but he trimmed up, cut back, been focusing more yeah. on that. Well, uh, let, me, let, me, let me run this by you guys. I want to I hear what you guys have to think about this. Um, just, in, just building off what, um, what you guys have been talking about, especially with um, the, the identity of, a, of an athlete, that's a, that's a severe risk when a player goes, goes down with an injury because, you know, as Tori said, like, you're, we're more than athletes. We're human beings and individuals. And I would think that I mean, we talk a lot about gratitude. And I would think that gratitude is so important because it really humbles you. You know, every day you, you wake up, whether you're religious or not, like you're grateful for your friends, you're grateful for your, your own body, whatever it is, whatever you're grateful for, you think about it and you actually express that gratitude over time. It humbles you and it kind of puts you in your place. And like, you can be at like the top of the food chain or the bottom of the food chain, but if you express that gratitude, you kind of like remind yourself of who you are. So you could be, you know, like a top athlete who's, you know, making millions and on Sunday night football and whatnot. And I think, I, I would think, let me know what the psychiatrists think. I would think that, you know, if you have a healthy amount of gratitude leading up to an unfortunate injury, that when that injury comes, you don't have that, you don't have such a strong mental relapse of, oh, like, now what am I going to do? I can't do anything because, you know, you've been practicing all the scratch exercises. You're like, okay, but I know what I'm good for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I, when I think about gratitude, um, and we talked about this uh, as it relates to appreciation right appreciation is another term for our gratitude and appreciation can kind of work two ways right there's appreciation for yourself um and who you are which who you are is really a testament to your holding environment right so all of the, the people that went into helping you get to that place in your life, your, your family, or your parents, siblings, loved ones, and ones that raised you, uh, your coaches, um, your mentors, your teachers, your, your, your pastors, your priests, whoever, these people that have helped you get to where you are and, and help you become you know, this, this, this great person, this great athlete, that's, that's one thing. And then there's appreciation for the situation, right? And, and the people around you, your teammates, your, your current coaching staff, the organization that you played for, the fans, right? The community around you, the people that are kind of giving you this opportunity, right? It's, it's appreciation for these things. And then in a more acute setting, you know, in a more sort of like here and now kind of, of uh, a perspective, it's like appreciation for your opponent, right? And appreciation for sort of the moment in terms of like what's happening in the game right now in this, in this situation and what do I need to do in order to get the best out of myself and my teammates and make the most out of this opportunity. That's what, you know, gratitude can do. And, uh, and I think, you know, appreciation, you know, is, 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 uh, is one of these things that, that you cannot ignore, um, you know, when you, when you think about things like that. Absolutely. Right. So uh, uh, we'll see, uh, we, I mentioned before that Tua Tagovailoa is coming back, name starter for the Dolphins. So we'll see how he bounces back from dislocating and fracturing his um, posterior wall of his hip just uh, less than a year ago. Um, but a lot of hype around him and he's definitely um, – progressed well what it seems and i'm excited to see how he does and then dak prescott another one we talked about i'm, uh, I'm excited to see how how he does he's through the uh, infection stage so he, he doesn't have a infection after after the surgery so that's a good thing and and i think as long as he like ben mentioned he's still part of the team he's still active keeping his mind sharp his football mind sharp i'm sure he's doing some gratitude exercises. He's someone who has obviously been open and, and vulnerable with the media and with individuals talking about his own struggles with depression, anxiety surrounding the, his brother's suicide um, just earlier this year. So um, I have a feeling that, and he mentioned quote unquote, being a leader is about being genuine and being real. And I have a feeling that mindset leading into this injury is ultimately going to be extremely helpful for him to adjust and to recover. And then, with regards to the support around him, it's, uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Cowboys organization reacts to this and, and treats him. I know he was on the franchise tag 
and he was seeking that long-term money. So we'll see what happens with regards to Jerry Jones and the Cowboys and, and being able to provide, playing provide that structure for him because ultimately that'll be important for his recovery as well. Um, you know, this is probably a good opportunity to segue into the uh, NBA bubble experience. Um, kind of a one-of-a-kind sort of uh, sports competition, you know, something we've never seen before where uh, all these uh, professional basketball players hunkered down in sort of solitude uh, and confinement for, what is it, four or five months in Orlando, in Orlando, Florida, just to be able to follow the right protocols to prevent, you know, the spread of COVID. And, um, you know, I got to say, they did a, a magnificent job, that organization, the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, protecting those players, protecting the brand, putting on a pretty good show, the likes of which we've never seen, you know, and, we had a, a true victor uh, come out on top, you know, in the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, they, it was a condensed season, obviously, but uh, we had a full playoffs with some great performances on display night in and night out. Uh, it was just beautiful to watch, even without fans, even without your, your classic, typical, uh, you know, NBA Coliseum setup. It, uh, it worked. It worked out. And um, the, league, the, the league adjusted well. The league adjusted very well, I'm sure. Chris Paul, the uh, president of the NBA P, uh, Players Association, handled that brilliantly. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for what, for what he organized. It, was just, it worked out so damn well. Yeah, I think three takeaways from an individual standpoint, and two of these aren't surprising. Um, two of them were more of affirmations as Paul George isn't, quite the uh player um he's not an alpha doesn't quite have the mental fitness as of yet to um win a championship i think that was clear um my other one would be lebron james is who we all knew he was he's the the pros pro he's the guy that has all the tools physically and mentally to not even get phased by this adjustment and it as a matter of fact maybe played even better in this bubble situation, um, his tutelage of his new protege, Anthony Davis, was, was outstanding. Um, he got the, the most out of him, but ultimately it was LeBron who, who led them to that victory. So that was amazing. And then Jimmy Butler was probably the, the newest, uh, the, the only kind of real brand new takeaway because I think we already knew about the previous two. Well, one of us um, knew about Jimmy He Butler. is someone that, yeah. Oh yeah, Ben. Ben was early on that. Um, he called it. He definitely called. I'll have to give you props on that. But he's a guy that we. I mean, we did it in our bubble preview show. I didn't think he would be. He could be a one that could lead a team to a title, and I think he very well could be a one that could lead a team to the title. And yeah. I think that team, if fully healthy, could have gave the Lakers a little bit more of a test. Who knows if they could have closed them out, but. Hell, man, he went toe-to-toe with LeBron there in a couple games and out, actually outdid him when, the, when LeBron was wearing the black Mamba. So I thought LeBron should have taken took a shot you. there and, and the Kobe's. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, Jimmy, mean, man, he's, he's, a, he's a gamer, he's a winner, and he's, a, he's an alpha. One he is. Well, listen, we, we talked about this before with Jimmy. We, I think we all three agreed that he's demonstrated – uh, an ability to be an alpha dog, to be a closer throughout his career. That was never really the question. The question was, could he bring it all together and be the leader that his team needed him to be uh, in order to will his team consistently, consistently to a championship? And I think the Jimmy Butler story brings out uh, a, a a principle of mental fitness that we haven't touched on yet. It's the only one that we neglected to touch on quite yet. And it's one of these that uh, I think is often overlooked, but his story, I think, uh, clearly brings this one to bear, which is enthusiasm uh, and and attitude and, and how important it is once you feel accepted, Uh, once you feel embraced, once you, you know, develop uh, with the team, have an opportunity to develop with a team that embraces you, that accepts you for your quirks, you know, and, and your differences, 
and you essentially you know find the right fit then your passion for the game your love for the game uh i think will will rise and uh your mm. perform your performance will benefit and what i saw with jimmy and this team was a much more passionate guy uh a guy that that felt like you know he belonged and he wanted to be the best for these guys he put every i've never that game by performance was uh i've never seen anything like it i mean he left everything on the court and i, I you know we talk about this you know and people always talk about leave everything on court like in these sort of very theoretical ways um it's just sort of like a almost like a, a mantra right just leave it on the, on the court he really did that for the first time in my life i saw an athlete just give his team everything he had and uh you know in, in, in that enthusiasm that passion that he had um really i think enabled him and his team to do things that no one believed they could do uh and um yeah it's, it's uh give, give him a lot of yeah. credit I think obviously he put up the numbers, the assists, the rebounds, but his ability to lead, um, the ability to to not only lead on the court, but to to have those guys play better themselves because they're playing with Jimmy Butler. To you saw his camaraderie with Tyler Hero, with with Duncan, with Bam. This is some these guys were feeding off of him, and this happens a lot with LeBron James. You're seeing KCP hitting these threes like he's never hit before. It's, it's something to say about leadership. And we're going to end up probably doing another podcast episode about this because you can contrast Jimmy Butler's ability to lead with this team in particular because he, he, the chemistry wasn't there with the 76ers. Or the Timberwolves. Or the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. But it was 100% there with the Heat. And they flourished. And you saw it with LeBron as well. Who did you not see it with? Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. And we've had a lot of articles come out recently talking about how some of the players on that team did not appreciate the preferential treatment that Kawhi Mm -hmm. would get, the ability to pick and choose which games he would sit. And whether this is a front office, a coaching issue, ultimately you, you have to look at the individual, you have to look at the player, and you have to say that individual, if you're going to be, truly one of the greats, someone that's going to lead a team to multiple championships, which Kawhi has done, although not necessarily organically, I think Armin would say as the one, I think in San Antonio, he was just a piece of the puzzle. Toronto, you could argue he, he definitely was the alpha, but that was a team that was already kind of well oiled and greased up. And they brought him in as Armin likes to say as a hired gun, similar to the Golden State bringing in Kevin Durant. I'll be interested to see if Kawhi Leonard in his second year in LA and then KD up in Brooklyn, if they can be guys that can truly become leaders like a Jimmy Butler, like a LeBron James, um, and lead their teams to championships. Right. Absolutely. So I um, just one one last thing before before we wrap up is uh, just building up what Armin said. I think what I think Jimmy Butler finally had his moment in Miami. I think he finally had an environment that accepted him for who he was. Exactly what you said, Armin, and just. Like you really can't emphasize that enough. Once you're in a place where you can be 100% you, whatever you is, if you're 100% you, you can flourish more than ever. And I think in Philadelphia and Minnesota, he just wasn't able to be his full self. I think because, you know, he's a hard ass. And that, that, that's part of his deal. He's a hard ass and he calls it how he sees it. And I, I just don't think that you know, his teammates in Minnesota vibe with that. I, I don't think they accepted that type of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you can, you can take whatever you want out of that. But um, that, that being said, um, I think, you know, we're, we're, we'll, each, we'll each go around and give us our own little um, what to look out for. My what to look out for, we, talk, we talked about resilience. How about Des Bryant? Finally getting another shot in the NFL. So he got, uh, he's, he, got, he got signed by the Baltimore Ravens practice squad. Would love to see him. Wow. Well, yeah. Would love to see him uh, get in there. Charles Tar- Owens is coming back now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, resilience, man. Resilience. Yeah. I want to just point out, and we, I wish we had more time to talk about baseball today, but hopefully by the time this airs, the Dodgers have won the World Series and Armin and I are celebrating in the streets for the third week. Uh, or Who's going to be there? Looting, rioting, the whole yep. nine. Uh, 
Where's it going to be Tile Town? Yeah, is it going to be Tampa or is it going to be LA? Uh, but I'd like to, I like to, I want to point out that Clayton Kershaw, mm. arguably the regular season goat of pitching, best pitcher of all time. Everyone knows his struggles in the playoffs. I'll point out that his ERA is 1.79 points higher in the, when he comes to the playoffs, which is the most out of essentially any pitcher that's had more than 70 innings pitched. Um, he has, what is it here, the fifth worst ERA among pitchers that pitched at least 70 innings in the, in the uh, playoffs. And this is a guy that is just flat-out disgusting in the regular season. And it just doesn't translate into the playoffs for a variety of reasons, increased pressure, so on and so forth. Right now, as we speak, he has led in this playoff run. He's four and one. The Dodgers are four and one in his starts. His ERA going into the game five win, which they won two to one, was 2.88. So his ERA is closer to his regular season ERA, which is around 2.43. And looks like, like Ben mentioned, He's either going to tie Kenny Lofton or he's going to get that title. And there's a lot of factors there, maybe because there's, it's a different setting and less fans, there's less pressure. Having said that, I feel like the more he starts in the playoffs now, the the more that monkey on the back gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'd argue that the pressure is still there tremendously, but he's figured out a way to, 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 at least to this point, who knows if he'll come in and, and relief in game seven, but he's figured out a way to to do what he always does. And I'll be interested to hear kind of interviews going forward to see if he changed up his mental mm-hmm. fitness game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you want to talk about what to look out for, look out for the sports attendees because we're coming. Ooh. What to do? What to do? I'm going to get you. All right. Hey. Oh, yeah. Brand new website. We got tons of resources up there. If you're someone out there interested in therapy, we list every different type of therapy out there. You can get a little, the DL of each type of therapy, see what fits best for you. We got game day, grounding exercises, deep breathing, mindfulness exercises, you name it. And we're going to keep adding stuff to it every mm-hmm. week. So check it out. All free. That's right. That's right. Yeah. On, honestly, everyone, I re- like, I'm not just saying this. I really believe all types of individuals can benefit from what we have to we have to offer and that sounds so promotional and business-like but it's really not like it's really just how to stay mentally fit and i i hope by by now if you're, if you're listening you're realizing how crucial it is to stay mentally fit um it really help your like social life your romantic life academic your professional like at all aspects of your life if you're just, like mentally sharp you can just live such a healthier and better life and yeah man we got it all yeah we got it all at sports like mds and we do Hey, look, hey, look, sportspsychmds.com, all right? Empowering the world's athletes to use mental fitness to achieve their highest performance on and off the field. Hey, y'all, let's, let's end the stigma. And continue the conversation. conversation.